During this season of Eastertide, it lasts until Pentecost. It's 50 days from Easter to Pentecost. During this time frame, we are going to be looking at and talking about what it means to be a community of believers, what it means to be a community of faith, what it means to be church. I'm just going to tell you, I don't know anymore. Everything has changed, and even just trying to write this sermon today in pandemic living, when I'm looking at you and I'm looking at you, this isn't going to be as easy as it sounded like it was going to be. The writer of the of First John talks on behalf of the community of believers there. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen, what we have heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in God there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with God while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, the one who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And God's word is not in us. Have you heard it? Have you seen it? Have you felt it? You've heard the ancient story. Children learn by exploring. They learn by listening and then imitating their adults, then imitating the sounds that their adults are making. It's really fun to listen, not to the child, but to the adult. Mama, mama, say it. You can say it. Ma, dad, da, dad, da. They look like complete idiots. And then the child learns to say no first anyway. Children learn by watching. They see someone clap their hands together. And then they learn that if they just do this, the adult will really celebrate in a high-pitched squeal and laughter and great excitement. All they have to do is this. And the adults go crazy. They learn by manipulating, feeling things, small motor skills having to be developed with time. 
Getting their chubby little hands to pick up a block is one thing. Getting those little fingers to pick up a Cheerio is another. And then after they pick it up, figuring out how to get their hand to their mouth and figuring out a way to release the Cheerio into their mouth without it dropping, well, it takes so much work and so much effort and so much concentration But it seems like the smallest little learnings from listening and seeing and touching are calls for great rejoicing among parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. We were born to learn this way through our senses. What is it that you hear? What is it that you see? What is it that you can touch? That's how we learn about the life of faith as well, at least according to the author of 1 John. We'll get to that in just a minute. But for now, I want you to reminisce just a little bit. What did you hear most in your church that you grew up in? What do you hear at church now? Is the message the same? I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of, nuh uh. <laughs> what did you see at your church growing up? If you close your eyes and picture your home church, what do you see? And now think about what you see here. What did you do at the church you grew up in? What were your hands-on activities and how did they make you how did that make you feel to be a part of them? And what do you do now at church? And what about all of you that don't have past memories of churches because you weren't a part of church growing up? And maybe this is your only experience of church. But you knew about church. You knew about people that went to church. You knew about people that were involved in church. What did you know of church and the people that were involved in them? What did church sound like and look like and feel like? And what does it sound like and look like and feel like to you now? As we're spending this Eastertide season looking at what it means to be a community of faith, a community of believers, these are important first questions that the writer of 1 John addresses for us. And I just want you to note the author's prolific use of we. We declare what we have heard and what we have seen and what we have touched concerning the word of life. The gospel writer, John, the gospel writer, John, begins his gospel with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So this word of life is what they declared that they had heard and seen and touched. So in this first letter called John, the author is speaking on behalf of the community. We have seen it. We testify to it. We declare it to be true. We are writing so that our joy may be complete. Here's the message that we have, and here it is. God is light. 
Being the leader of a community of believers, of a church, is a very, is a very interesting position to hold. When I speak, am I speaking just on my own behalf or am I representing you as well? If I write a letter to the editor of the Charlotte Observer, am I speaking for just me or will it be heard as a representation of you? When I march in protests, Am I protesting or is my presence in those streets a sign that we are protesting? These are interesting questions to consider anytime we do anything publicly, our words, our actions, and conversely, our silence and our inaction. All of that is a representation, not just of ourselves as individuals, but it's also a reflection upon this church. If we were to put a political sign in our personal front yard, are we saying that this is who we support as one household? Or will people in the community wonder, is this who Park Road is supporting? Hence, we do not put political signs in our front yard. But we have written and we have protested and we have signed on to statements. Are we signing and protesting as we or as we? The author of this letter, known as 1 John, is clearly speaking on behalf of the whole. He is speaking for the collective we. Interestingly, he's writing from within a community of believers that is not in full agreement. Shocker that all churches don't agree with each other. So he's writing knowing that they disagree on some pretty major things, namely who Jesus was and is. I mean, that's a big one to disagree about. Everybody in the community were followers of Jesus, believed in what Jesus said and did, but not everybody claimed him as the Christ, the son of the living God. They followed him, all of them, but they did not, some in the group did not attach any messiahship to him, and those were the folks that were leaving the community of believers. So it's in this context that the letter is written. We have heard, we have seen, we have touched the word of life. I can't help but wonder if those who were scurrying away were saying, he ain't speaking for me. Now, I've never been in a church that was split apart or had a group to leave in mass. I really cannot imagine how very painful that process is. Some of you may have been in churches that have split when one person or just one family leaves, it, leaves us, I take it very personally 
It causes me great angst. I often cry. And it sends me into some private little tailspin. Are we falling apart? What could we have done? What could we have said? And when I ask those questions, am I asking, what could we have done? What could we have said? Or am I asking, what could we have done? And what could we have said? Because we are in this together. So I can imagine why this letter writer takes it upon himself to speak in a collective we. I wonder if he knew that sense of panic and pain that comes when any schism happens to a community. Did he think it was important to remind everybody, this is who we are, this is what we believe. But here's the deal. We understand, we understand that we don't speak for the whole. That there's diversity of thought and ideas and that honestly no one person can speak for any other person. Every person has his or own, her own perspectives and is simply not safe to speak on behalf of another. So that's why it's so interesting to read this text today. It's all the we language. They were in it together and the author was confident that they were of enough like mind and thought to feel bold enough to say that they collectively believed this. That what they had heard, what they had seen, and what they had felt was real and true, and they all believed it. So it got me to wondering, what could we all agree on enough that I could speak for you and you could speak for me? concerning our faith experience and our faith journey. Phrases that we use all the time ring so true in me that I can't help but wonder, do we all believe these things or do we just repeat them over and over because we believe them? Can I speak for you and say that Park Road Baptist Church, at Park Road Baptist Church, we believe in the love of God and the way of Jesus. Can we say that? Oh, I'm getting yeses in the room. Can we say all are welcome in this place, period? Ooh, I even got an audible yes on that one. Can I say that we are loved. We are forgiven. So be at peace. I'm getting yeses. I like yeses. Can I say that we believe that our calling is to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God? Yes. Can I say that we believe that the greatest commandments are all about loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Yes. 
Well, that's the low-hanging fruit, isn't it? We live in a day where we focus so much on our differences of thought that it's sometimes difficult to think about what we have in common and how we are alike because we are pulled in so many different directions based on our differences and disagreements. I remember years ago, the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America asked all of their partner churches, of which we are, have been one and are one, they asked all of their partner churches to put up a big banner out front in front of your church that simply read, we are against torture. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer to me. So we ordered the thing. I mean, all of them looked the same. It was a black background with white letters on it. We are against torture. Well, alas, everyone did not agree that we should put that up. And I thought, so does that mean that you are for torture? Well, no, nobody's for torture, but we are for not talking about it. Interestingly, some passerbys must not have agreed with the sign either because they stole it. So we had another one made and we put it up. Though I always felt like there should have been an additional banner to the second one that said, we also are against stealing. But this one little thing reminded me how difficult it is to truly be a community of believers that can talk in we pronouns. That we couldn't agree about whether it was okay to say publicly that we are against torture. It was a real eye-opening experience for me. Like we need to vote on being against torture? These early communities of believers that popped up lived communally. They shared their lives and their possessions. They lived close together. They broke bread often. They raised each other's children in the day-to-dayness of life. They knew the intimate details of each other's lives, each other's thoughts, each other's beliefs. We don't even live in the same state. Even before pandemic isolation, we were spread out all over the city and the county, and we bleed into South Carolina. I delivered uh, Sunday school materials to our children's families and drove well over 100 miles just to get the materials in people's houses. We don't live close together. And now our little community of believers is spread out from Florida to Virginia to Oregon and some Sundays even across the pond. We don't know each other intimately, which was difficult even before the pandemic. Now we have more than a dozen new official members that our regular members have never laid eyes on. We have people that see Park Road and claim Park Road as their church home who have never and will likely never darken the doors of this sanctuary. I'm talking to you. We've always loved serving as pastors of a church where we can know everybody. And now there are some of you out there that we will never meet face to face. 
and yet you consider us your community of believers. And then there's no way for us to account for who watches, who, for the people that watch our service later on and consistently watch our services. Communities of faith today could not be more different than this first John community. So what can we learn from this early community that we have almost nothing in common with? And in the last year, the differences between now and then have just increased exponentially. What can we learn from a text for today that might inform us about how to be the gathered people of God and who and what and where we are called to be? We need to be listening and looking and touching and feeling that word of life that God is light. The Jesus way calls us to listen to one another's stories like Jesus listened to so many. They came to him to be healed. He listened to their need. He spoke on their behalf. The Jesus way calls us to look for those who suffer and do whatever it is in our power to bring hope and wholeness. The Jesus way calls us to get our hands dirty for the sake of another, to touch those that the world deems as unclean. I will always be convinced that the Jesus way always favors the poor, the outcast, the downtrodden, the lonely, the grieving, the down and out, the neglected, the bullied, the ones that are taken advantage of, the exploited, the foreigner, the outsider, the one that is different. But that's just what I believe. The question is, do we believe that? Do you believe that? That the Jesus way always favors the poor, the outcast, the downtrodden, the lonely, the grieving, the down and out, the neglected, the bullied, the ones that are taken advantage of, the exploited, the foreigner, the outsider, the ones that are different. Do we believe that? If so, then we need to talk like that and look like that and act like that so that we can truly say this is who we are. But it might just be what I believe. I think about that child learning to say her first words. I think about that child when he learns how to clap and, and play peekaboo. I think about that child that learns to crawl and then to furniture surf and then finally to walk those toddling steps until she realizes if I just sit down and crawl, I can get there a whole lot faster. I think about that child and that cheerio. So much work, so much effort, so much concentration, so much practice, so much trial and error, so much perseverance, so much courage, so much patience, so much work. 
It takes work just to be a family living in one household. It takes work to be family with your family of origin and extended family. Some of you know good and well you love the pandemic excuse to not have to be with them. It takes work. Guess what else takes work? Being a community of believers. Being a community of faith. Being a church. But when we, and I mean we, get it right, there is great rejoicing in heaven and on earth. There's lots of clapping and high-pitched squeals and laughter and excitement. At least that's how I like to imagine God responding when we get it right, when we listen to one another, when we listen for the Spirit of God among us, and when we see the need and step in and do something to meet the need, and when we feel and touch the very things that are of God, then we will know that the word of life the light of God dwells within us. And not only will our community of faith be changed, but the whole wide world will as well. Are you with me? Can we do it? Can we do it? We'll see. May it be so. Amen.